0: The invisible don't build great businesses, the unignorable do. Do you want to build a personal brand, share your unique voice with the world? Welcome to the podcast exploring themes from the book Unignorable by Oliver Oust. In this series, Oliver talks to experts so you too can become unignorable. In this episode, Oliver chats with Jill Baiting and Julia Joubert, the founders and creative directors of Bear Radio, Berlin's premier podcasting network. They talk about how to launch a successful podcast, a topic that is also covered in the book. Now, have two wonderful guests today, fellow podcasters, Jill Baiting and Julia Joubert. Hi, Jill. Hi, Julia. Hi. Hi. (laughs) You are the two brains and doers and founders behind Bear Radio, Berlin's first English language podcasting network for Berliners, by Berliners. Maybe tell us a little bit about Bear Radio.
1: Yeah, so I founded Bear Radio in 2017, kind of to meet the growing expat and English speaker scene in Berlin. And I saw that there was a lot of really cool... German media stuff happening, German audio media stuff happening, but not so much in English. And I thought that there was a big potential audience for that. So at first, I just started aggregating the English language podcasts that were being made in the city. And then we started producing our own in-house programs and teaching and consulting. And now it's grown into what it is today. And we also do like the Berlin podcasting meetup, and yeah, so most of our work has really been to grow the podcasting ecosystem here in Berlin.
2: I think it did start, like you said, um, you know, for Berliners by Berliners, but I think over the past two years at least. A big thing that we've wanted to do is extend it beyond Berlin, especially because so many of the people who are living here are obviously expats. They come and go. It's a very transient city as well. So we've branched out now into Poland, into the UK. We have people joining from the States, from Mm -hmm. Brussels as well. So we're trying to now make it kind of (laughs) for everyone by everyone. Um, but it definitely started for Berlin by Berlin, yeah.
0: And how how did you two meet?
2: Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> well, Jill likes to claim that she is the reason for everything in my life here in the city, and she's not wrong.
1: <laughs> I I got an email one day from a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed South <laughs> African that had just moved to Berlin, and she wanted she had already worked at a radio station in Cape Town and wanted to work in radio here. So she reached out and asked if she. Could start working with us and I was like hey you're awesome let's make a show let's podcast and we ended up meeting at a cafe where Julia ended up working
2: for what two years almost and meeting my now boyfriend so if we hadn't met at that cafe who would you even be <laughs> who would I be <laughs> my career in South Africa I'd been in radio since 2011 I'd been in commercial radio for four or five years And I was really just looking for something new and came here looking for English language stuff. And everything I searched for just kind of took me to Bear Radio. So then, yes, I sent a very um, fancy sounding, serious (laughs) email only to be met with Jill. And then (laughs) I was quite pushy, I think, in the beginning, because in the beginning it was, Jill said, "Okay, cool, if you have a podcasting idea, let's make a podcast together. And then I saw what Bear Radio was and just really, really wanted to be more involved and help it grow and really enjoyed the community aspect of it she'll welcome me she didn't take me seriously in the beginning <laughs> But now she does.
1: So it's yes, funny. yes. <laughs> I realize you're sometimes more serious than I am. Sometimes.
0: So. <laughs> I mean, what I find interesting is that I think most people in your position would say, right, there isn't really that much podcasting content in English in Berlin. So maybe let's set up a podcast and launch it and invite guests onto the podcast. But you decided to basically build a whole platform for you know, a variety of content creators and podcasters, which I find fascinating. So how did this come about that you made this step From, oh, there should be more podcasts in English about Berlin by Berliners, to creating a whole network, a community, uh, a platform for everyone to contribute.
1: I had worked in radio prior to coming to Berlin. And then while I was working and living in Berlin, in the beginning, I was volunteering at an English language kind of now defunct radio station here. And I just saw that there was really not that much infrastructure in the city for people who wanted to make audio content. There were many like studios. There was nowhere to learn all of this stuff. There were a lot of really like talented journalists and hosts and personalities. But when someone wanted to make a podcast, there was really nowhere they could turn to. And so I felt that in order to get Berlin's like podcasting ecosystem, you know, up, on the level of something like in the UK or the States, we really needed to have a better, more cohesive community and more resources. And I think that you can make a podcast, but it'll just kind of go out into the ether. And if you don't have a community to support you in this, then it can just, you know, only exist and only
2: have so much of an impact. I also think that over time, it kind of, I mean, I don't want to say it fell in your lap because I know back in 2017, you obviously, you put a lot of effort into getting it started. but it's funny how you just put your name out there once as somebody who kind of knows Mm -hmm. what they're doing. And we are inundated on a daily basis with questions of, Hey, can we sit down, pick your brain, Mm -hmm. ask you something over coffee? How do I start a podcast? Where do I start a podcast? Where do I record? What equipment do I invest in? Uh, These were all questions that kept coming. And it was made pretty clear to us from the get go that there was a need Mm -hmm. that could be filled. Yeah.
0: Interesting. I mean, uh, my colleague, Lean and I, we've been podcasters for a few years now. It's uh, under the Speak Like a CEO label, which is more of an interview format with CEOs and founders and and senior communicators. And when we wanted to organize a meetup last year, about eighteen months or so ago, you know, to to invite fellow podcasters and partake in the community Uh, and just Google podcasting in Berlin and to see who comes up. And it was you guys, I think, who came first. On on that note... um, You probably get approached quite a lot by, you know, people who have an idea or want to get the word out about what they're passionate about. What do you advise them to do or how do you how do you enter in that conversation with other wannabe podcasters? Should they do it? Should they not do it? Is there a test you apply or or what kind of advice do you give?
2: I think at the beginning, what we try and do first off is just kind of suss out whether... What they have is just, you know, a conversation that they had over a couple of beers with friends that they think is a cool concept, and an actual topic and format and idea for a podcast. So that's kind of those are the hard questions that we ask: Why are you doing this, and who are you doing this for? Yeah. So if you can't answer those questions, uh, we kind of encourage people to then go back, sit on it a bit more. I think those are kind of the two two of our main key points.
0: Do Do you find that that already excludes a big part of those who have the idea?
2: What do you mean by exclude?
0: Do, do you think that's a large, or in your experience, is that a large proportion of people who, you know, just had this idea of a couple of beers, as you said?
2: Maybe it's maybe it's just Berlin. <laughs> maybe it's just because it's Berlin and everybody's drinking beer all the time. But I think it's also that thing where there is definitely you know, everybody wants to, I'm not going to say everybody, but a lot of us who are creative or like to hear the sound of our own voices think that we can talk about anything. And as long as it's re- semi entertaining, then it's worth being a podcast. Mm-hmm. But when you start to force people to actually sit down and think, okay, you know, what is my mission statement? What is my topic? Could I come up with 15 episodes on the spot? Right. How long is this going to last? Do I have the effort To put in? Do I have the time to put in? All those big questions. And all of a sudden it becomes... They realise how big podcasting actually is and how much goes into it. And we have noticed people are kind of like, ah, actually, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm fine just having this as like a little table conversation. Yeah.
0: That makes a lot of sense and um what do you think is necessary for someone to start a, a reasonably successful podcast?
1: I think the thing that's the most important is that you realize that this is a long-term project and that you're not going to get rich off of it tomorrow. And that's when I think a lot of the people who come to workshops or who get involved in the community and want to start a podcast Immediately start asking us, like, how do I make money off of this? How do I become the most famous podcast in the world? Mm -hmm. And they don't realize that it takes like a year to get a podcast off the ground, really, or even longer. And some of the most successful podcasters I know have been at it for 10 years and they're only now just making a profit. So, yeah, I think that if you have a good idea and a good story and you're really good at, you know, interviewing and having an actual show, that's one thing. But I think it's even more important almost to have the drive to continue doing it for long term, because if you run out of steam and stop doing it after six weeks, yeah, you really want to be able to make a project that is at least, you know, organized and dependable for your audience.
0: Yeah I I totally agree and um we never looked at this from the perspective of money it, actually it costs a lot of time and energy and a little bit of money to have a podcast and keep it going for a few years and certainly you need to be passionate about the yeah. you know the project and passionate about the topics and the guests you talk about otherwise it you know, it tends to be a bit of a mm-hmm. vain effort. And I, I also think the audience notices it if you're only in it for the money.
2: Right? Oh, very oh, much. Oh, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> very, very <laughs> much so. And it's it's often, you know, we because we, we teach these workshops, we've had a number of students come kind of through our workshops. And there's always at least one person in the class who goes, OK, but if I get somebody like a big name celebrity on, you know, then then that'll get me the views. And I'm like, OK, well, how does that big name celebrity add to what you're talking about and the answer is always oh no, no no that's really just to attract people so that they can start making money mm. and it's always I mean Jill and I are very much purists and we'd love for you to rather make a podcast that you are yourself invested in and you choose quality over money but are very, also very aware that there are such things as branded podcasts and podcasts purely for marketing so Mm -hmm. as much as we're coming in hot and hard about saying you know don't only do it for the money obviously podcasting is a really wide and varied space to be working in so I think for those of you who want to do it as a hobby or as something that as a storytelling medium don't go in thinking you're going to make money right off the bat because you'll just get frustrated and feel let down.
0: Yeah. How did you fall in love with the medium of podcasting or, or audio in general, maybe?
1: I grew up like listening to public radio in my local NPR station all the time. My parents loved NPR. My dad worked at a public TV and radio station in San Francisco. So I just always grew up listening to radio all the time and listened to radio, like, as a teenager. And in college, I, like, volunteered at the radio station. And then after university, I ended up going to New Zealand for a bit and working at a radio station there. And it was kind of there where I was like, oh, people love radio all over the world. And this is a really beloved medium, and there's so much you can do with it, really anywhere you go. And I think that's why when I came to Berlin, I was really seeking out, like, an awesome radio station that I could work with, and I never found it. So that's why I just started making independent stuff. But yeah, I've always loved radio since I was a kid.
2: I think I was a little bit late to the party. I mean, I, I think radio in South Africa is definitely it's it's everywhere. But in terms of my passion for it, you know, I was very much like a, a top forty hits on a Saturday <laughs> kind of girl. I I wasn't really invested as much until until I got to university and. I was just, I was, I'd already, you know, been away for a year. So I wasn't in, none of my friends were kind of in the same year as me. I was like, I need to meet people. And I remember the campus station being, there's like, they had this thing called Plaza Week where you can join societies. And I just saw them in the middle. I was like, you know what? that looks like fun. And I'd never considered it. My mum had always said I was funny. And, <laughs> and I could talk a lot about a lot of nonsense. And I was like, maybe I should give this a go. And literally from the day I got started there, I just felt completely in love. And so I was part of the campus station. I then studied media and radio production and also getting to edit audio and put together radio stories. We were creating stories for community stations um, within and around Cape Town and the amount that you can do with it, but the challenges that come with it as well. It's just so rewarding at the end. So then I started with a I got headhunted for a commercial station and then it all kind of changed because like Jill said, in terms of like this independence, often you don't have that. Because you're now a part of a brand and you have to be what they want you to be. And that's when I turned my head towards podcasting, because I wanted to be in a space where I had the freedom to create what I wanted to create and tell the stories that I wanted to tell in the way that I wanted to tell them. You know, I think the radio stations often tell you, okay, well, you know, that kind of personality doesn't fly or your voice is a bit young or, you know, maybe you need a male co-host to hold you up or something like that. And it was really nice to come into a space here then in Berlin, and just have Jill say, "Do whatever you want." And the first in-house podcast we had was mine, which was an improv comedy podcast um, hosted by me. That I got a bit of flack from it as for it as well because the improv community didn't trust me in the beginning. But you know, now look at us—we're doing great. Uh, okay. But yeah, definitely that that freedom and that independence is what. You now I always like to think that radio is my first and only love, but. It's definitely grown and morphed because
0: of podcasting. As a listener, I like podcasts and radio and audio in general because it allows me to do other things, whether it's sports or, you know, be in the kitchen or whatever. I feel I've been given extra time because I don't have to watch anything or don't have to read. For us as podcasters, what has been fantastic is that we had the opportunity to exchange views with so many fascinating people you know you get half an hour or 45 minutes with great people and it'd be very difficult to get hold of them otherwise or you know convince them to have a conversation with someone they don't know unless there's a format behind it there's a show behind it so it's that interactive exchange of like you know, ideas with like minded people that has been uh, you know the greatest boon in in all of this for us i think yeah. And I've been researching podcasts even more in the last few months while I was writing Unignorable, my book. Yeah. I came across research that suggests that what we hear or podcasts and audio is two to three times more effective than the written word. And I think this is very plausible because we as humans are much more geared towards uh, hearing is just very natural for us to listen to stories to listen to other humans rather than reading say i
2: agree that's super interesting i mean i always just assume it <laughs> but it's good to know that there's science behind it too
0: yeah yeah and, and we can we can build trust right you can build trust with an audience you can get to know people you are listening to and that's what, what's fascinating they become sort of a constant in your life if you listen to the same podcast every so. Every week, so yeah, yeah.
2: And also, just exactly that—just feeling. I mean, you have that on radio too, but there's that element of just feeling like you're listening to your best friend again. You're checking in, and. (laughs) <laughs> that always referring to them on their first name basis as though you've had dinner together 37 times already oh yeah
1: nothing makes me feel more alive than every day when I like refresh my podcast catcher app
2: yeah oh
1: great moment and I just see all the new <laughs> podcasts coming. <laughs> they're back what, what
0: are your favorite podcasts outside of bear radio
1: one that I just listened to that I'm obsessed with is wind of change mm-hmm. it's so interesting and it's so well done and listening to it I was just like I still, I'm pretty good at making radio, but I still like, until I can make something like this, you know, I'm going to continue practicing and working on it because the way that they stitch everything together, the storytelling, the writing, the sound design is just amazing. It was a pleasure to listen to.
2: I think what got me started was definitely every little thing, really short little bite-sized things, just bite-sized chunks of really interesting information. And then Invisibilia was a huge one for me. I became obsessed with Invisibilia. And 99% Invisible as well. Yes. Also just the the production value there. Reply All. Mm -hmm. I think in terms of classics, those are definitely some of my favorites. And now I am punting this everywhere I can. Uh, Donnie Parton's America is incredible. And for those who think that it's just about Donnie Parton and just about America, it's not. It's about so much more. It's about her music. It's about race, gender, identity, it's everything. And then I've also, I guess, just considering the current climate, I've been listening to a podcast that actually was made in 2017, called Seeing White, it's by Seen on Radio, and it kind of turns the lens on race and looks at what whiteness is. And I I mean, for lack of a better way of saying it, I really considered myself a really semi-woke white person and it's been incredibly eye-opening and I've been learning a lot. So I would highly recommend that
0: too. So let's say someone, we, we've whetted someone's appetite and, and they're thinking about uh, maybe launching their own podcast. What, you know, in addition to the first steps, which you've already outlined, uh, what do you think would be a good launch strategy to find an audience, find the right audience for a podcast?
1: Hmm. I think really understanding like what your topic is about and thinking about how you can do offshoots, you know, like how on podcatcher apps or even Spotify and things like that, you'll always find fans also like this, people also like this. So even if you're telling a story about plants or we had a good example with a podcaster that we're working with where they tell like bedtime stories. And I was like, well, why don't you start contacting like The writers in our community, why don't you start contacting like companies that make journals and stuff like that, and they can kind of talk to their audiences and their clients about getting involved with your podcast as well and kind of finding the related things that could go with your topic.
0: I agree. I think finding the right topic is really important. And do you think it's it's advisable to look for something that's very niche because it's easier to find an audience? Or would you rather advise someone to look at a broader topic because the audience is bigger?
2: I don't think that there's a clear cut answer for that. And I think that you got to just bring it right back to your own passion for the topic. That automatically makes it niche in a way we would always encourage you to constantly bring it back to your connection to the story and like we've said before a lot of the time hosts are a big reason as to why we come back so it doesn't matter if it's specifically about like, like Jill mentioned a plant even if it's just about one specific plant species in the Amazon if we don't know why you're doing this you're going to lose us also it could be about the environment which is pretty broad and yes you're going to reach a lot of people but you're not going to keep those people so I think it always comes back down to you and your investment in the project and as long as you sell us on what you're talking about you could make it as niche as possible or as broad as possible and I don't think it would make too much of a difference.
0: It's interesting and do, do you think there are any, any don'ts, any things that Any mistakes people make commonly that you've seen that is really going to break the idea of launching a successful podcast?
1: I think the problem that a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people have is that they don't focus on sound quality. Right. And you can have the most amazing storytelling in the world, but if you're recording this thing on WhatsApp or voice memos and it's unlistenable, (laughs) no one's going to listen to your podcast. Mm -hmm. And I know it's expensive. I know it takes time to invest in equipment. You can always rent equipment, borrow it from a friend, you know, really focus on that. Find a recording space because you want to respect your audience and the time that they're taking to listen to your voice and you need to treat them to audio. That makes them want to listen because they're already taking the time out of their day to listen to you. Mm-hmm. So always focus on sound quality.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And also chop. I would probably add choppy editing. So if it's over edited, it, it, it becomes a bit painful for the ear. If you know if it hasn't been edited enough, then you know often it drags on and the un- uninteresting bits uh, intersected by some interesting bits. And there's also something I think people don't don't particularly respond to. And yeah, I think we all have to be able and and, and willing to invest in some equipment and and time and and also acquire the skills necessary to edit it uh, properly.
2: I think on the flip of your choppy editing is too many people stay in their own bubbles of their podcast or their idea or their story and we understand a lot of the time people try and convince us that their hour and a half long episode is vital because every single piece of information there is worth keeping and it takes Joe and I one listen through to already shape off a good you know easy 25 Mm. minutes of it. And I think people need to stop staying in their bubbles and really reach out to a community, whether that's a podcasting community, whether that's your parents or friends or people that you trust who will actually give you proper feedback of the times when they zone out and you've lost them. Maybe those are 10 minutes of what you thought was vital conversation that could actually just go.
0: Yeah, that, that's a really good point. Get 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 proper feedback and get honest feedback. And how long do you think uh, you know the ideal podcast is if there's such a length? And if you say thirty eight minutes, obviously we're going to make our best uh, do our best to cut this episode to thirty eight minutes.
2: <laughs> so what we like to say, and this is going to sound so vague, but it's one hundred percent true. Your podcast should only be as long as it needs to be, without being any shorter or longer. <laughs> Which I know means absolutely nothing, but I think at the end of the day, you know, if we had to say the perfect podcast is 35 minutes in length, there would be a lot of other, you know, really great podcasts and great episodes that we would be missing out on because you've now given this average that everyone should have. Um, some podcasts here in Germany especially are hugely successful and their episodes are 33 30, to four hours in length. Um which is incredibly long, and Jill and I would never say do that. We like to keep it between 40 minutes to an hour max. But I saw this this, um, this quote from somebody online where they said, you know, if we had to take all the best songs in the world and put them all together and we discovered them, the average between all of them was 2 minutes 45, and therefore your song should be 2 minutes 45, we wouldn't have songs like Bohemian Rhapsody. So... You really got to just be critical about what you're keeping. Be careful about what you cut out. And then, you know, if usually your episodes are 30 minutes, try to keep them near there. Or if it's a bit longer, explain to your listener this episode is going to be a bit longer because X, Y, Z.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And that's also, isn't it the value and the, the, the freedom we have with this medium that it can be 20 minutes or, or three hours depending on, you know, how much valuable content there is. And, you know, there are not many mediums that give you that that sort of freedom. I was wondering, I always like to look things from a sort of slightly different perspective. And I wonder if there are any unconventional, unusual beliefs you have about podcasting that most people wouldn't share, but that you feel strongly about.
1: I think maybe one thing is that it's not unconventional, but I think here in Germany, people keep approaching like Bear Radio itself as a startup and like a scalable startup like N26. And so a lot of like people in the startup community like come to us and they're like, Do you want to be part of this acceleration thing? And I'm like, we want to make content. We want to tell stories. And we could be serving you in a better way than like being part of your accelerator where you want us to make an app for podcasts, (laughs) which I find very unnecessary. I don't know. It's always an app. (laughs) And for myself, those are the things that I don't care about unless it's going to actually help your audience grow or something like this. But I think at the end of the day, the form is great. You just need a platform to put it on, you need some recording equipment, and you need a story. And I think that there's a lot of companies that are really trying to streamline this process in a way that you don't need to, and you need to, like, really focus on the production quality. And I think that's what I really like doing is the actual making of the podcast. So Sometimes it kind of
2: disheartens me
1: when people don't care about that aspect of the creation.
2: I think Jill and I get flack for being the purists that we are Mm -hmm. when we get so frustrated when we have people constantly hammering home this money thing. And I think that sometimes confuses people. Like, why would you not want to make money? Of course we want to make money. And we find different ways of making money. But when it comes to the actual production of a podcast, that is where the joy is. And I think part of us just wishes that everybody shared that joy. Mm -hmm. And we know that not everybody does. But if you're sitting in a workshop of ours, We certainly hope that there's some element of that passion or joy in you, and we've noticed often that not everybody shares that kind of
0: sense. Yeah, not everything needs an app and, and I like your, I really like your approach and what do you mind sharing the business model behind Bear Radio? I mean, you, you already mentioned that it's, you know, we all need to make money, we all need to live but it's, you know, that's not the center of your thinking but what sort of revenue streams have you created around Bear Radio?
1: I think for now things are going to be changing soon. We're still working on some stuff but I think that for now our main revenue streams are workshops and consulting and production.
2: Yeah, I think what we have always said in terms of our business style is that we would like every decision that we make to have a sense of community in mind. So for example, we had a really big client recently that we produced a six part series with, but there was an element of collaboration where we then said, okay you know let's build a community, let's do something together, we'll make this for you. And you know they then also in turn offered us not just the work but the use of their space to teach our workshops. We have a lot of collaborations with recording studios, with audio companies, with co-working spaces here as well. And the idea for us is that every step that we take, a lot of the time, it is in making money, which is great, but it's also in building the network and kind of extending our reach so that when you are a part of Fair Radio, once you've worked with Fair Radio, it's not it doesn't just end there. It's an ongoing conversation where we can lean on each other to help build this community, which has been a big reason why I've just loved this entire experience the whole way through. I can't say what it's like everywhere in the world, but in South Africa, it's very much dog beat dog. That idea of just helping somebody up without expecting anything in return or just people wanting to just create and collaborate with no no strings attached Mm -hmm. is not something that I've experienced anywhere else. So we've now been able to incorporate that into the way we do business as well. And it's been incredibly rewarding because then it's not just, oh, we sit, we teach, we walk away. Many of our students have now gone on to create incredible podcasts that now feature on their radio. So it's very cyclical, which is very important to us as well.
0: That's great. And do you think this model could be replicated in other cities or do you want to expand in Berlin or, or take other steps in Berlin? So where do, where do you see Bear Radio heading over the next few years?
1: Well, first of all, I think that we are definitely interested in collaborating in other cities, um, speaking with some of our colleagues in other countries in Europe. We see that it's not only Berlin that is kind of experiencing this like juxtaposition between the legacy media in that state and the growing expat population and the fact that so many people now speak English and consume English language media. We see that there's a need for podcasting like education and collaboration throughout Europe. That's kind of why we've been branching out. Um, So definitely in the future, we'd love to do more trainings abroad. We'd love to collaborate with other podcasts throughout Europe and definitely grow in Berlin and work and find more partners, uh, more collaborators ideally someday have a studio that's like our current goal because there's not that many studios in Berlin and yeah just really build more infrastructure for
2: podcasters here I think we're gonna for now anyway we're keeping it to kind of Europe or countries continents that are not America I hate to say Mm -hmm. this because it's just American but there's this idea that we've really been pushing against where everyone thinks the best and greatest things come out of the states And it's a constant struggle here to remind people that that they have stories to tell, that they're good stories. It's also this thing of accents as well, which has been a huge learning curve for me as well. My accent's ever-changing things. (laughs) But I used to have more of a South African accent. Now it just sounds more and more American because I spent all my time there. It was just this idea of, okay, well, I haven't heard my voice on a podcasting platform. I think it was kind
1: of a perfect storm of elements that a lot of these really big, fancy, successful, really well done podcasting projects happened in the states. And I think the narrative for a long time has been like, oh, the states is where podcasting is and will always be, and it's the only one that can do it. And I think that people discount their own stories because or their own accents because they're not from the states. And we're really trying to show people that There's so much cool history. There's so many cool stories. There's so many voices and personalities throughout Europe and the world that aren't just America. So if we kind of just continue building the infrastructure and the ecosystem to let those people tell their stories, then maybe soon the States won't be the epicenter of podcasting. Maybe it will be Berlin or Europe.
0: Yeah, it's a really good point that more, I mean, podcasting gives an opportunity to all sorts of voices from all sorts of backgrounds to share their story and and create stories. And that's fantastic. And I think that that's a big advantage compared to sort of more mainstream traditional media, which is quite, you know, highly curated and only gives access to very few people. And I think they play a very important role in a democratic society. Um, but, you know, it's fantastic that there are platforms for all other voices as well. What do you guys think the future of podcasting will bring over the next few years? I mean, I observe that there's more and more money going into podcasting when you see what happens with Joe Rogan, who I think was paid a hundred million or so to move all his content over to Spotify and like his content or not. That's a huge sum of money. And I think it seems to indicate that commercialization of podcasts is in full swing what what do you think is the future going to hold
1: the future that i hope to see for podcasting is that we see a much more diversified landscape in podcasting because now a huge thing happening with prx a lot of these companies like prx and gimlet don't hire people of color they instead do these fellowships for people of color where they're like well we'll train you and they're like No, why don't you just hire us and pay us a living wage and let us tell our stories instead of just, you know, tokenizing us in a fellowship program. So all that to say, what I'm really hoping is that you see more people who have diverse voices amplified throughout the podcasting world. And I think especially once you lower these gatekeepers, lower the barriers that have been keeping these people out of the media for so long with like traditional legacy media radio stations, And the fact that now podcasting equipment is more accessible, the ability to get your voice heard is so much more accessible. I really hope that we're going to see more and more of these stories from the perspective of the people that experience them rather than some like white radio producer like myself coming in and telling someone's stories for them.
0: You also have a few other interesting things going on in your professional lives, of course. Uh, Julia, for instance, you are a producer at Blinkist. How do you juggle all these different balls and have all these different projects up in the air?
2: I mean, I think first and foremost, going in with the idea that this is what I wanted. I think a huge part of what I envisioned for myself career-wise was not just being, not that I'm ever stuck in, in podcasting, but why I love podcasting is there are so many elements to it. And I love being on the go. I love having multiple projects running at the same time. I feed off of it, uh, so obviously, I it was a learning experience. To you know, I definitely stretched myself too thin. I was saying yes to a lot of things all at once, and I burnt out. Um, but I've gotten to the point now where you know what I do with Blinkist is incredibly rewarding. It's super educational. I'm reading and educating myself constantly when I do the work with them as well. I mean, with Blinkist, what was really cool is I got to join from the very beginning in terms of they were like, okay, we're branching out into this new aspect of Blinkist. Would you like to be a part of bringing it from the ground up? And I am always down for projects like that. So whether it's I do community management as well, I do social media management as well, I do podcasting, I do script editing... All of it just feeds me in different ways. I do think that if I had to just be stuck in one office job doing one thing every day, I'd lose my mind.
1: Also, the other day, Julie and I haven't made a podcast together for about, what, two weeks? Two weeks. <laughs> and Julia was like, I
2: miss recording with you. Litch- I miss creating. Literally, I was like, Jill, I have too much time on my hands. So let's So literally, in the, space an hour of, a week. <laughs> in the space of an afternoon, we developed a concept for two new podcasts. One is going on to taping radio as well. So we're just like, let's go, 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 go. It's just how my mind works. And I think Jill does as well. And it's why we're constantly pushing each other to just do and be more.
0: Jill, you're also part of a a duo called Pretty Picky. (laughs) My,
1: My good friend Helen and I do this DJ project called Pretty Picky, where we play songs by women that are like very empowering for women. We like to tell people that we had gigs in Paris and L.A. planned before Corona, which is, I'll say it's true. But yeah, it's just been really fun. We like to dress up and have parties. (laughs) That's my extracurricular activities. (laughs) That and Zumba. We love
2: Zumba. (laughs)
0: that's uh, fantastic uh, I promise to tell you how No, I am um, I'm, I'm basically very very close to Linda the person behind Female ah. Music Force the network you are connected with um, she's awesome she, she absolutely is and she's uh, just for listeners Female Music Force is the first agency in Germany promoting female DJs and you guys obviously are on the website and, and part of the network so that's, that's fantastic awesome before I let you go please tell us where we can find out more about Bear Radio where people can find your meetups your workshops etc yeah
1: our wed- Website is bearradio.org, and all of our social media pages
2: are just at bearradioberlin. And yeah, if you want to find out more about our workshops, about consulting, all of that, uh, that is all on the website. There is also a contact form on the website if you want to get into building out your podcast idea. If you want to learn more about recording and editing, uh, now in Corona times, if you'd like to learn about how to set up a home studio and record from home, we a workshop in that as well. And same goes for a personalized consultant.
0: Perfect. And, and for my side, if you want to learn more about my approach to podcasting, uh, check out Unignorable, the book's coming out in a few weeks. Uh, also head to oliveraus.com or check out Speak Like a CEO, the podcast I'm hosting with my colleague Lina Carlson, where we interview CEOs and founders and senior communicators and talk about leadership communications every week. Jill, Julia, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to talk to you and very much looking forward to meeting you in person. Uh, I know one of your meetups is coming up soon, so I plan to drop by uh, in September.
2: Yes, that's true.
0: We, we hopefully uh, get to meet in person very soon. And thank you so much for your insights, for sharing your stories. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks to everyone listening and check out the next few episodes where we talk more about more ways to become unignorable. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
0: In that spirit, everyone has what it takes to be unignorable and the only thing really left to do is to start.
2: Find out more at oliveraust.com